Well, today we're going to continue with our series. We've been in a series called Fight Club. If you've, if you've missed a few of them, I would encourage you to go back and listen to them. You can do that at oscconnect.com, or you can download our app and listen to any of the previous messages from this series. Um, in particular, Jennifer shared a week two or three, I believe it was, and she shared an incredible message that's really worth listening to. And if you were here, I know you enjoyed it, but I would encourage you to go back and listen to that one. But the whole series has been pretty good. Today, I'm going to preach a message on words. It's going to be a two-part within the series because there's just so much to talk about about words that I'm going to tackle one side of words today and then next week hope to tackle another side of words. How many of you know we use a lot of words, right? Especially as a Christian, we use a lot of words. We, we use words, and they're, and they're powerful. I think, I think most of us don't realize how powerful our words are. Because if we did, I believe we would use them way more carefully. I'm not a big gun guy. I don't, I don't study guns, but I have some guns. And I had a friend of mine bought me a pistol a while back and, and said, to carry it with you. And, and I swear I had a newborn baby. It was like, you can't leave this thing anywhere. You can't, if you leave it in your truck, it's got to stay locked. If you bring it inside, you got to make sure nobody comes and gets it. It's like babysitting. And, it's, and it scared me because it's such a heavy responsibility because it could kill somebody. But it could also save somebody's life, right? So is our words. We should carry our words like a loaded gun. It can destroy, but it can also save and protect. Does that make sense? So your words are very valuable. Your words are very powerful. And I don't, I don't want us to be a church that just uses words haphazardly or hazardly. We use a lot of words. We use words to sing praises to our God. We talk to the Lord with words. We testify with our words. We witness to people with our words. We preach with our words. We evangelize with our words. You cast out demons with your words. You ask for things with words. You declare God's promises with your words. You pray in the spirit with words you can't even understand. You fellowship with words. You give thanks with words. We use words all the time. Right? And I just gave you all the good side of the words. <laughs> uh, all right. So how we use our words will determine the condition of our life. I had this thought this morning while I was looking over my message. You can be a born-again, spirit-filled believer, but if your tongue ain't saved, you can still have trouble in your life. You can still create your own chaos. You can still create your own destruction with your words. You can be born again and filled with the Spirit and still be jacked up with your mouth. I, I like to arm wrestle. Um, not professionally, just recreationally. Especially with people I think I can beat. <laughs> so this past week I was with a bunch of guys and one of them's a little bit swolt, and I like to test the swolt guys, you know, because I'm old school strong. Come on, somebody. Country strong. I lift buckets, not weights. And, and so I got this, but I got this, like, I got this routine when I go to arm wrestle people. So, like, it's, it's a whole thing because I don't like to lose. Come on, somebody. So I'm going to use every tactic I can. And the older I get, the wiser I'm getting. Not the weaker, the wiser I'm getting. And so I, I was going to sit down across from the table from this guy this week. And, I'm, and I said, you want to wrestle? And he was like, come on. I said, all right. So, so this is where it starts. You bow your chest up. You look him square in the eyes. It's all part of the game. You sit at the table. You pull the chair back like you're in the movies. You sit down. And you're just staring him down the whole time. And you throw your arm up there like, like, boy, you about to get some of this. And then you, and you lock arms with them, boy, and you start squeezing their thumb wide. I'm trying to intimidate you before my muscles fail me. Right? And so then I'm running, and we're locked arms, and they're kind of tugging, and, and I go, okay, you ready? And they go, yeah, I'm ready. I'm like, okay, go. And they'll start pulling. I'll say, I thought you said to go. And then they're pulling. I'm like, start. Come on, man, start. And I'm intimidating them the whole time, and they're sitting there going, and they just lost all belief in themselves. And then I smash him, hopefully. 
Why do I do that? Because I like to win. I'm going to use every tactic I can. I'm going to use my words, my posture to intimidate my opponent. I'm going somewhere with this. I pray that you get some of that today. I pray that you get some trash talking today. I know this isn't a refined church where, you know, they teach you how to trash talk. This is just who we are. So today, I, I pray you walk out of here with some trash talk. Some of you are like, well, Pastor, I brought some in. No, no, no. The right kind of trash talking towards the right person or towards the right enemy. Amen? So our verse for the series has been Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. It says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So I got a couple of thoughts I want to share with you. I'm going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 17 for the bulk of the message. We're going to be talking about David and Goliath. I know you've heard the story a hundred times. Don't check out on me. 1 Samuel chapter 17. My first thought is this. Words can intimidate. How many of you know that to be true? That words can be intimidating. How many of you would be honest enough in church, and I know guys this may be a struggle, but how many of you would be honest enough to say, I've been intimidated by words before? Yeah, good. Got some honest folks in the church. Words can intimidate. So let me set the story up real quick. David is, has come out to the battlefield. The army of Israel is, has, has positioned themselves against the army of the Philistines. And they're there, and David's coming to bring lunch to his brothers, and he's curious. He's a curious young guy, estimated around 16 years old. And he comes out to the battlefield, and he's looking at what's going on, and, he's, and he sees the, the champion, the Goliath, come out, and he starts asking questions about what's going on. And so that's where we pick the story up, is David's being curious. Verse 23, it says, As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. And as soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Leave that scripture up there. Watch this. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt. Pay attention. His usual taunt. The same old taunt. The same old lie. The same old intimidation tactics. Usual. Think about it. Usual. What I want you to see is that when the enemy comes out against you, he brings his best. So make no mistake about it. When Satan comes to attack your life, he brings his absolute best. Why? Because he's trying to steal, kill, or destroy your life. That's what he's trying to do. And he brings his best. But fear not, fear not, even his best is not enough. Come on. Even his best is not enough. Goliath shouts his usual taunt to the army of Israel. Watch this. Some of you have been defeated for too long by the usual old taunt of the enemy. Am I in the right church? Some of you have been, have been held bound, oppressed, held back, everything stolen from you because you're still held bound by the old, usual taunt of the enemy. It's the same old lie you could have believed when you were a kid. And still today, his taunt is causing you to run in fright. But that stops today. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I got some work to do. John, you better start praying. It stops today. Amen. The army ran as soon as they heard him. This is the children of God. The nation of God, they run when the giant comes out with his same old taunt. 
Have you ever noticed when God starts to call you up, the enemy shows up to call you back down? If you don't believe me, get up in the morning and surrender your whole life and your day to Jesus and say, Lord, have your way with me today. I'll do anything you want me to do. You better get, you better buckle up. You better get ready. He's coming. How long are we going to let the old lies of the enemy keep us back? I know people that are uber talented, super gifted, got an anointing of God on them, but will refuse to use those gifts simply because of the old, usual taunt of the enemy. They took off running <clears throat> in fright. I wonder, what have happened, I wonder what would have happened if they wouldn't just run. Like instead of running, if they'd have just stood there when Goliath came out. Like just, just, I'm not running today. I wonder what would have happened if they'd have just said, you know what, I'm tired of running. I pray today that some of you get tired of running. I pray today that some of you get tired of hiding. I pray today that some of you learn how to stand. Even if you don't know anything else to do, just simply stand. Some days, your best move is to stand and not run. Just stand. You know, you'll never see the hand of the Lord move until you stand. You can't see nothing when you're running. When you're running, your back's to the enemy, and you're running for your life. You're trying to save yourself. You can't see the hand of God moving when you're running. Sometimes if you'll just stand there and believe God to show up, you might just see him show up. Back up to verse 16. I want to show you how long this was going on. So it's, verse 16 says, For 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelite army. That's 80 times. Just walking. Bunch of punks. Pansies. I'm going to be careful that way nothing slips out. Y'all scared, your mama, y'all ain't worth nothing, y'all can't fight, bunch of pretty boys. Eighty times he struts in front of them. And my question to you today is how long are you going to let the enemy keep strutting in front of you? How long are you going to let him keep wrecking things in your life and then talking trash about it? Every time you fail, he starts strutting. Every time you fall, he starts strutting. He's looking at you like you ain't ever going to get up. You ain't ever going to be worth nothing. You're a loser. Your mama was like that. Your daddy was like that. And you're going to be even worse. Strutting. How long? How long? Why did they run? They ran because they were already defeated. Yet they hadn't even fought. How can you be defeated before you even fight? Intimidation. <laughs> I think <laughs> they were defeated by the, the words and the posture of the enemy. I think they feared the enemy more than they feared the Lord. <laughs> oh, man. I think they believed Goliath's words more than they believed God's word. 
The only time the enemy can ever bring a victory for his camp into my life is when I believe what he says over what I believe God says. You know the enemy of your soul wants to stop you before you even get started. (laughs) My best friend... um, did a very unique thing with his kids when he was teaching them how to drive for the first time. Um, He put them in the car, showed them where everything was, brake pedal, gas pedal, signals, flashers, all this other stuff, adjusted the mirrors, seat belt, blah, blah, blah. Puts them in the car and he says, okay, we're going to drive. Picked a day when there wasn't too much traffic, put them on a back road. They got to a stop sign. He said, okay, I'm going to teach you what you're now responsible for. He said, so when I tell you to go, I want you to take that gas pedal and mash it all the way to the floor. And don't you dare come off of it until I tell you to. And they're like, what? What? His girls were like, what? One of his girls was like, oh, yeah. (laughs) And they were like, what? That like, what? He said, do not take your foot off of that gas pedal until I tell you to. I want you to know what's under the hood. I want you to know what you're responsible for. So they would lay some rubber on the road. And just take off. And they'd be looking at him like, now? He's like, nope, not now. Shifting gets, now, daddy? No, not now. And then all of a sudden he said, okay, now put your foot on the brake and press it all the way to the floor. I said, dude, why do you do that? He said, because they need to know what they're responsible for. They also need to know what it's capable of. And they need to know what's under the hood. Until you step out in faith and trust God for the impossible, you'll never know what's under the hood. Until you stand for your marriage and believe God no matter what goes on, you'll never know what's underneath the hood. So David sees all this stuff happening and he gets highly upset. I believe David was looking around at all these warriors, these these men of Israel going, like, bro, you're not going to do nothing about this? Like, you, you... like, really, y'all running? I, th- I think David was looking for a godly example, but he couldn't find one. Oh, did y'all hear that? I think David was looking for a godly man to follow after, but he couldn't find one. Instead, he had to be one. Hmm. He just had to be one. There wasn't none around. Why? Because it was all running. Nobody wanted to stand. Just running. They were good at running. Wasn't very good at standing. So David starts asking questions and questions get back to Saul, King Saul, and Saul calls for David. Watch watch my second thought. Words can encourage also. Right? Remember, David couldn't find an example to follow. Even his own brothers took off running. No wonder why they didn't get anointed to be the next king. They had no backbone. Watch what David says, verse 32. He, Saul calls for him, comes in. Saul's like, why are you asking all these questions? What you think you can do? <laughs> David goes, don't worry about the Philistine. Don't worry about this Philistine. I'll go fight him. 16 years old, ruddy-faced, little bitty old boy goes to the king and says, don't worry about this Philistine. I'll go fight him. If I'd have been in the army with the guys that ran and the 16-year-old went to the king and said, I'll fight him, I'd have just packed my stuff up and went home. I'd just soon quit. I ain't going to let a little boy come out here and shame me. But he will. He says, don't worry about this Philistine. He's telling King Saul, don't worry about the Philistine. 
Now, some of you may be thinking that David was just young and dumb. Well, he was young, but he wasn't dumb. He was anointed. And David knew his God, and his God knew him, and David had experience with God, and David had a spiritual backbone. David had learned to defeat his enemies while they were small, so that when they got bigger, he was ready for that too. So Saul tries to talk him out of it, and David says this in verse 34. He says, but David persisted. Say that. Say persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I've gone, I've done this both to both the lion and the bear, and I'll do it again to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Boom. Get you some of that. That's genuine bona fide trash talking right there. That's just some straight up smack. And there's so much in there. First thing I see is that David persisted. In other words, he didn't make excuses for himself, and he didn't let nobody else make excuses for him. So you might be good at not making excuses, but you'll take the first excuse that comes your way. He began to tell Saul what God had been doing in his life. Why? Because Saul needed encouragement. Why? Because David needed to encourage himself. What was he talking about? He was talking about past victories with God where God showed up in his life. It might have been small, but God was there and he had an experience with God's power that built for the next time, that built for the next time. Come on, y'all. It's a faith journey. You go from one, one battle to the next, to the next, to the next. If you'll stand and fight, you'll see the hand of God move in this fight. And when he, the giant gets bigger, he'll still be there to move in that one. David talked trash, but God backed it up. But you see, David's trash talking wasn't about himself. It was about God's ability to deliver him. Big difference. If you're trash talking out of your own strength and your own wisdom and your own education and your own flesh, you will live defeated. But if you trash talk from the point where God's my deliverer, you'll see victory everywhere you turn. You see, when the lion and the bear came after or came to steal, David went after them. David was not passive. Come on. Tell me the enemy's not after your kids. Tell me he's not after the next generation. Daddy, tell me he's not after your children. Tell me he's not trying to use work to take you away from your kids. Tell me he's not trying to keep you distracted so that you don't focus on what's going on in your kids. Why? So he can walk up into your camp and steal the promise off of your kids. And some of you just sit there and go, well, you know... I had some problems when I was that age too. Are you flipping kidding me? That's your response? Your kids are going through a crisis. They've got temptation coming at them from every side. And you're going to sit there and go, well, you know, it's a dark world we live in. What? Well, all we can do is pray. All we can do is pray. When the lion and the bear came after his daddy's sheep, David went after them. God never called us to be passive. He called us to stand and he called us to fight and all of heaven is backing you up, but you'll never know that until you stand and fight. It didn't matter how strong of a grip the enemy had on the lamb. David would still go after it. He would go after it and pull it out of its jaws. Yeah. 
Let me, let me show you what this looks like. Some of you may have seen this video, but watch this. It, it kind of looks like this. You need to clap, because that's what it looks like. You ain't taking Fifi. Mom, you ain't taking Fifi, bruh. Notice he did all that and never lost his cigar. That's the most amazing part. But how many people sit there and just watch their kids go under? Watch the next generation just sink under the water. Hopeless. No courage. No fight left in them. Not willing to take a stand. Not willing to let things die in their own life so they can be an example to their children. A radical difference from the world. My daddy don't complain, he prays. My mama wakes up in the middle of the morning and she prays until God answers. My daddy don't post everything on Facebook complaining about this or that. My daddy does something about it. That's how you pull them out the jaws. My daddy also won't let me slip off into things I don't need to slip off into. So some of you struggle at this point because you're, you're still confused on whether God's fighting for you or you're fighting for yourself. And the answer to that question is yes, you're both fighting. God comes alongside of you because he wants you to participate. He wants you to be in the fight with him. But he comes alongside and if you turn around and look, all of heaven's got your back. Amen? So it sounds like David has got some serious confidence while fighting off the lion and the bear. He brings that same confidence from the lion and the bear to the giant. And I want you to understand something today. The day you decide to start pushing back, the enemy is going to get louder and louder and louder. But just shut your ears off and start talking the right kind of trash and take a stand and tell him what's going to happen to him instead of listening to him tell, him, tell you what's going to happen to you. Because the longer you listen to it, the more likely you are to believe it. We went out to eat the other night and it was in this restaurant and it was loud, extremely loud. And they had this group of ladies in the corner and they were mega loud. Just mega loud. I couldn't even taste the food. They were so loud. I'm like, dear God in heaven, somebody bring them some food. The, the, guy, was, was, the guy that was with us, he goes, I, I, I'm bringing peanut butter next time. They'll have to occupy their tongue for people. You know what I wanted to do? I wanted to walk up and go, can you just please shut up? <laughs> Why? Because I was sick of hearing it. Pray. Enemy's been lying to me all week. And he lies until I tell him to shut up. He lies until, and he keeps going until I remind him of who I am and what Jesus did to him and what Jesus is doing through me. Amen? Verse 41. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Listen to what Goliath says. This is not the usual taunt. Am I a dog? He roared at David. That you come at me with a stick? Are you coming at me with a stick? Am I a dog? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here, little boy, and I'm going to give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals, Goliath yelled at him. You see, when David took a stand, he threw the enemy off of his game. He wasn't ready for that because for 40 days he had his way. <laughs> if you'll trust God and walk out of here and stand a little bit in faith, 
and exercise and find out what's underneath the hood, you might just catch the enemy by surprise. Check this out. David wasn't just fighting Goliath. He was fighting the armor bearer too. So watch this. Goliath has an armor bearer carrying his shield. He's dressed for war. Goliath himself is dressed for war. Chainmail, spear, javelin, sword, helmet, boots, all this stuff. He's full. He's dressed to the hilt. I mean, he's ready to go to war. He was a war machine. Which begs the question, why would God send a ruddy-faced shepherd boy to fight a well-dressed warrior? It's the same question you wrestle with. Why would God want me to stand against this? Why? Why would God call me to speak to this? Why would God call me to change this? Why would God send me here? Why would God tell me to do this? I'm, this is what we usually do, I'm only this. And the enemy is all that. Why send a ruddy-faced boy to fight a giant? Several reasons why. One reason is, is I believe God used David's stature and his humbleness to throw Goliath off. You see, God has a way of proving his power to the world. You remember that verse that says, God uses the poor to confound the wise? It's that. A ruddy-faced boy to fight a giant. Do you think maybe God was showing the army of Israel something by sending a boy to go kill the giant that they were running from? <laughs> oh, this is a good question. I don't know if you can handle it. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> this might be embarrassing. Have you ever seen... God used somebody to do something he told you to do that you refused to do and you walked away defeated? God's always proving his power. I think the giant, I think Goliath really wanted to fight Saul. Saul was the next biggest man in the whole battle. The Bible says Saul was head, head and shoulders taller than everybody else, estimated close to seven foot. Goliath was only nine. Why didn't Saul go? It would make sense for Saul to go. Maybe that's the excuse we use when God tells us to do something and we don't want to do it. Well, why don't you use this person? They're gifted at that. You getting something yet? Listen to how the enemy's taunt changed when somebody finally stood against him. If God used the ruddy-faced boy to defeat a giant, he, he, are you telling me that he cannot use you to defeat the giant standing in front of you? I mean, did David not see how big the giant was? I mean, was he blind? Ignorant? Like, bro, you just a boy. I mean, Saul tried to put his armor on David to make him look more manly. Oh, this don't work. I can't fight with this. What you mean you can't fight? Buddy, gonna kill you. Somebody write a note to his parents. You see. When you know your God and your God knows you, you don't need much to go to war with. David had a staff, a shepherd's staff. 
He brought a rock to a sword fight, y'all. He brought a Swiss Army knife to a gunfight. He had a staff, a sling, and five smooth stones. He could have easily said, I don't have enough to go to war. I don't have an armor. I don't have this. David didn't have many weapons, but David had more faith than he had weapons. And that's all he needed was faith. He just needed faith. He just needed to trust that his God was going to show up like he did with the lion and the bear and the alligator. And he just knew that God was going to show up just like he did with the rest of them. And he was going to bring deliverance for David. So why, why carry all this other stuff that's not necessary? Right? Are you with me? He had more faith than weapons, but his, his greatest weapon was his faith. Watch this verse 45. David replied to the Philistine. This is so good. You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin. Like, you got all this. All this stuff. Got somebody carrying your armor. You come at me with all this. I come at you, watch this. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you've defied. It might sound just like words to you, but when you understand what's going on in the heavenly realms, that was a powerful statement. He was basically telling Goliath, you ain't got enough, bruh. You ain't got enough to defeat me today because I come in the name of the Lord. I don't come in David's name. I don't come in my daddy's name. I come in my father's name, and he's the God of all armies, and he's got a whole, a whole army ready to fight with me. You don't see him? It gets better. <laughs> then he starts to, I believe, prophesy. <laughs> oh, this is good. You got you to learn how to prophesy to the devil a little bit. Today, he puts a time stamp on it. Today! Got a little Medea in him. Today! Not tomorrow, Today! Why did he say today? Because the devil needed to die today. We don't put it off for tomorrow. Today. Today the Lord will conquer you. Watch this. And I will kill you. And cut off your head. What? And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword or spear. Watch this. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. So much just happened. You have no clue how bad this trash talking is. Let me help you understand this trash talk, because you gotta, sometimes you've got to kind of break the trash talking down. You know what I'm saying? First of all, he told him today, right? Not tomorrow. So that, that means when you're, when you're standing against the enemy of your soul, you don't tell him one day you're going to go down. Like, you're going down today, sucker. Today. Then he says this, the Lord will conquer you. And then I will kill you. And then he tells him, I will cut off your head. You don't even have a sword, bruh. You got a staff, a sling, and five smooth stones, not even a sharp stone, so you couldn't sit there for two days trying to saw his head off. You ain't got nothing. I'll cut your head off, and then I'll give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there's a God in Israel. That's some pretty specific trash talking, y'all. Boy, you better be able to back up that kind of trash talking. Y'all still with me? So David wasn't coming to Goliath in his own name. He came in the name that was above every other name. So David was a representative of God. He came in three ways. He came, he came as a representative of the Lord of hosts. He came, he came as a representative of the God who has heavenly armies at his command, and he came as a sent man. David came on assignment. His daddy sent him to bring lunch, but God had a bigger plan. Another message, another time. 
David wasn't just a man who was upset, but he was a man who had an assignment. David gets bolder and bolder, but not in himself, in the Lord. And I personally believe he begins to prophesy. He spoke, watch this, so important, he spoke what he saw. He spoke what he saw. <laughs> but the Bible didn't say he saw. He must have saw something. Because he got pretty descriptive in his trash talking, right? He must have saw Goliath fall, him run up, pull his own sword out of his sheath, cut his head off, and he must have saw the, the dead bodies of the Philistine army laying along the side of the road and birds eating their bodies. He must have saw that because he said that. Mm. You need to be so tuned up with God and know what's underneath the hood of your spiritual life that when you start to stand against your enemy, God goes, he's going to do this, he's going to do this, and you're going to do this, and you're going to do that, and this is what the end result's going to be. Does that make sense? Does that help at all? Like we don't go in blind. God never sends us in blind. He showed him what was going to happen. David was speaking to some people, though, and you need to understand this. He was speaking to many people when he was doing his trash talking. The first thing, he was speaking to Saul. When, he, when David spoke those words, he was talking to Saul, to the king. God may set you up to talk to kings one day. He was talking to Goliath, the one standing in front of him. He was talking to the Philistine army. That's the rulers and authorities of the unseen world. And then he was talking to the Israelite army. Watch some key words David used. He said this. He said, and everyone assembled here. Who was assembled there? Not just the Philistine army, but the Israelite army, right? So when David was speaking, he said, everybody who's here today is going to know that God is God. He was speaking to them, and then he was speaking for them. So important. Stay with me. He says this, For everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. I wonder if David saw after Goliath fell, he cut his head off, the, the Philistines stretched out along the road defeated if he saw the Israelite army get encouraged and start to fight. So watch this. I'm going to wrap it up. Mom and dad, you're not just fighting for you. You're fighting for every generation that comes after you. I want to be the pawpaw of faith. I want to be a legacy, a legend in my family. I want, I want my great, 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 great grandkids to, to hear stories about Paul faith. I'm serious. I'm praying for that. God, I pray I defeat every enemy in front of me, not just for me, so that the generations after me will see that it can be done. And it will be done. And it can be done. And my God is the deliverer. Amen? It's not just about me. It's about the generations coming after me. So do them a favor. And fight. First Samuel, verse 51. Watch this. Some of you are staring off into space. He just made me really mad. Verse 51. Then David ran over. Let me back up. David grabs his smooth stone. He didn't kill him. Knocked him out. Goliath falls. He's out. Who guided the stone? God guided the stone. What did David do? Chunked it. He just chunked it. Whew. Could he have missed? Not today. Hits him in the head. Boom. Giant falls. He runs over. Watch this. He ran over, pulled Goliath's sword from his sheath. 
David used it to kill him and cut off his head. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they turned and run. What? They turned and run. What's going on in this story? Trash talk is working, baby. It's working. They turned and they ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah gave a great shout of triumph and rushed after the Philistines. Wait, I thought they were running for their lives. They must have hit the brakes. Ooh, hold up, little boy done did something. Come on, y'all, turn around. He killed the giant. They gave a great shout of triumph. Something changed in their heart. Something changed in their heart when the little ruddy-faced boy killed the giant. Something changed in I'm praying today something changes in your heart. I'm praying today you see the generations coming after you and you start to make a stand and you start to spend some sleepless nights instead of complaining and worrying, praying and grabbing a hold of heaven. And say, God, I need you to move. I need you to move in this situation. I need you to break this thing. Chasing them as far as Goth and the gates of Ekron. By the way, Goth is where Goliath was from. They chased him all the way home. What's the, what's the, the little song with the piggies? And this one cried, wee, 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 all the way home. That just popped in my head, wee, 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 all the way home. Is that how it goes? Something like that? The Philistines, wee, 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 all the way home. I guess when you read the end of the story, you kind of go, well, the enemy wasn't that tough, was he? That 40 days could have turned into 80 days. Could have turned into 120 days. Could have turned into a lifetime of living defeated, running from the enemy of your soul, never stepping into what God's called you into, and him taunting you the whole time. You see it? So some good spiritual trash talking can intimidate your enemies and it can encourage your brothers and sisters. Did you hear that? Last verse, James chapter four. Read it to you from the message translation, verse seven to 10. Listen to what it says. So let God work his will in you. Let God. Yell a loud no to the devil and watch him make himself scarce. Say a quiet yes to God and he'll be there in no time. Quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. Hit bottom and cry your eyes out. The fun and games are over. Get serious really serious get down on your knees before the master it's the only way you get on your feet how do we win how do we fight submitted surrendered humble before our king I'm not fighting in my own strength. I'm fighting with heaven's armies. I got armies on top of armies backing me up. You don't want to mess with me. Because it's not just me. You know what my fight is these days? Stay surrendered. Stay submitted to God. Live with an open hand and an open heart and an open mind and open ears. God, what do you want to do with me? What do you want to do? I want you to stand against this. I want you to stand against that. Go to war over here. Go to war over there. Yes, Lord, I'm going.
You see it? I pray today that you learn how to do some spiritual trash talking from what you see in the spirit. I pray today you stand. And instead of using your words to kill your own team, your words to push the enemy back let's pray Father today we come to you grateful for this story I want you to make a declaration with me today say this with me say Lord Jesus I realize my enemy is not as bad as I once thought he was. I know that with you, he can't stand. He has to run. So run in the name of Jesus. Now, Father, bless us today. Lead us, guide us, direct us. Open our hearts. Pour courage into us. Give us strength. I pray we take our words serious. Very, very serious. I pray, God, that you... You, you anoint us and use us to build what needs to be built and to tear down what needs to be torn down so that we can see the hand of God prevail and the world would know that you are God and nothing's impossible for you. So move in us, God. Help us to find out what's under the hood of this spiritual life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap? Thank you so much.